actually Father's Day and a birthday for Raul. He's not here. And an anniversary for the Fosters. There's all kinds of exciting things going on. It's a special time to remember and honor dads. Each year on Father's Day, I wear one of my dad's ties. So it's, it's a nice tie, but they just back then they made them whiter. But if I hold on to it, style will come around, and the ones I'm wearing now will be out of style. And so you just hold on to things long enough, they always make their way back around. But I always, looking, I always look forward to preaching Father's Day. Why? Because strong men are so vital to the church. And I personally believe that some of society's problems are caused by a lack of strong and godly men who are filled with integrity. During past Father's Day messages, we have felt encouragement and conviction. There's been training. We've gotten to talk about, hey, you're blessed. Look at those little darlings. And we just laugh and love it and have a good time. But I'm not sure that I've ever sounded an alarm on Father's Day. I'm not sure I've ever preached a warning on Father's Day. But about two weeks ago, I was reading Proverbs, and I just felt God just come into that kitchen where I was sitting and so strongly just speak to me and say, you have got to warn the fathers on Father's Day. I, much, I would much rather, I have more fun going... <laughs> Look at the little darlings. This is such a blessing. But not just dads. This message is to warn really anybody, any man or woman, married, unmarried, but especially dads who have young children watching them. More things are caught than taught. I'm reminded of that every single week of my life as my kids are growing. They say things I, my five-year, now five-year-old, just turned five, came home. I borrowed Noah's truck. He was helping me out with a project, and I drove it, and I said, man, Noah's, well, I got the lift, lifted truck with the tires. I said, mine drives more like, his drives almost like a car. It's more smooth. And I was telling my wife, well, he came in, walked in the house. He said, Noah's truck drives more like a car than daddy's truck. <laughs> I'm just like, they pick up everything. And I wish we could check boxes like pick this up, pick that, don't pick it, don't pick that up, pick this up. But they pick it all up. And sometimes they just pick the stuff we don't want them to pick up. And so today I just want to talk to you. I want to share my heart. Really, I think share God's heart on this topic. It's kind of an ominous slide, kind of dark, but it's true. It's the title, Be Aware. Be aware. Lord, God, I just, I'm asking that you would, you're already here, but I'm asking that you would be present in our hearts and minds, that we are the ones who would allow you to be there, that we would, allow, we would be the ones who would allow your word to actually come to life and to have an impact on us, because there's always such a great chance that your word could go forward and that we wouldn't actually hear it or be receptive to it or even be open to it, so our flesh sometimes will war against what the principles of your word say. Help that not to be the case today. Help us in our flesh to put that down, to open our hearts and minds and to be receptive. Lord, not only everyone here in person, but everyone who's watching online, every single human being that is tuning into this message, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, each day, life confronts us with many decisions, sometimes Decisions are hard to make. Other times, decisions, we know what the right thing to do is, but it's sometimes really tough to do the right thing. Because flesh is like, hey, I know that's what's right, but that looks more appealing, engaging, and fun. And so we're not only fallen flesh, but we live in a sinful, in a fallen world. And so there's sin everywhere. It's so easy to find. So daily decisions can be tough to navigate, and the life, really the life we live 
is, is really, think about this, the life that you live and that I live is really just the sum of our daily decisions. Where you are now is the sum of your daily decisions. And so the book of Proverbs can help serve as a compass that helps us guide and lead these decisions. It provides wisdom, instruction, guidance, and yes, even warnings. A lot of times people, they'll just ignore warnings. You know, I, I, I picked this up today. I'm re- drinking from this bottle. It says, warning, cap is a small part and poses a choking hazard, particularly for children. And we can't even drink a bottle of water without getting warned. You know, they have to put warnings on everything. Warning, coffee is hot. Well, I know there's iced coffee, but if I ordered a cup of coffee, I expected it to be hot. I'm not even a coffee drinker, and I know that. But yet there's lawsuits, and so we have to guide everything. But we have to just, just make sure that we have disclaimers on everything. Smokers have all kinds of warnings on their cigarette labels. It'll say, you know, causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, may complicate pregnancy. There's warnings on everything. Now it seems like appliances and gadgets have warnings. It, it may cause cancer, may have birth defects. What do we do? We're like, yeah, just set it over there in the corner. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm not doing wash anymore. Some people would be like, that'd be awesome. No, take that washer out of my house. I just noticed that the sticker says it may cause cancer or, or birth defects. We, you know what I'm saying? So we, we're kind of, you know, well, cell phones. Cell phones might cause cancer. We're like, hang on, can you wait? I'm on a call right now. You know, there's just things that we have decided to live with the risk. Hollywood puts out risks for us. They say right here, they say, you know what? Hey, this movie's PG-13. This ain't a Christian slide, okay? This is, this is from Motion Picture Association of America. It says, PG-13, parents should be strongly cautioned. So if Hollywood is saying, this ain't Christians here. Hollywood's saying, the content of this entertainment on this picture is going to be such that you as a parent should be very strongly cautioned before your children watch this. Dare I say that I can't imagine any circumstance where something that says that should be allowed in a, in a Christian home. That's old-fashioned. No, I'll actually go, I'll take it a step further. It's ancient-fashioned. Not just old-fashioned. I'll help you out. I'm not just old-fashioned. I'm ancient-fashioned, according to what Scripture says. And so, if Hollywood says that, I say, hey, thanks for the tip. I'm actually going to go even further back. And so, Proverbs is ancient Israel's collection of wise sayings, advice, instructions, and warnings. The book is structured as a manual for a young man launching into his career. The son appears to be at an age when he would be looking for what he will do with the rest of his life. And now notice, it's, it, we're going to talk about different things, but it's, it's written from a father to a son. But these principles apply to what a mother would say, to a daughter, to married, to unmarried. It's really everybody. We just happen to be jumping into some wise sayings that go from father to son. And so the nuggets of wisdom are also not just for Israel, but they can still provide guidance today if we pay attention. If we are be aware. The Proverbs were begun by Solomon, David's son, the king of Israel. Thanks to God's gift to him, Solomon was the wisest man to ever live until some of you were born. But he also proved that one could have wisdom without being aware. The book of Proverbs instructs us that there are rewards for wise behavior and punishments for foolish behavior. Unlike some of the other scriptures we read, we talked about this in our Bible study on Wednesday nights, these are not covenant promises from God. 
Proverbs offers principles that are, are genuine, generally true when followed, but yet people still make their own decisions. So it can say, train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's not a covenant promise. I know sometimes parents will say, I've trained my, my kids, I brought them into church, I taught them this, and they don't serve God. See, God let me down. No, that's, that's a, it's a generally accepted principle that, hey, if you invest godly principles in your kid, they're going to usually cling to those principles. But... They're still human beings that have a freedom of will and choice, so they can choose which route they're going to go. And so we say, hey, he'll, it, the Proverbs talks continually about be, not being lazy and a hard worker, and hard workers will tend to be uh, gain in material wealth. Well, that's not always going to be the case, but you can find generally there's accepted principles that if you're a hard worker, you're going to find greater success on this earth. And so... Rather than guaranteeing a favorable outcome, wisdom gives us generally true principles for life decisions. But, but the book is deeper than just good advice. It's inspired text. There's a reason why God said that is part of the inspired canon of the, the book, the Bible. And so because the message of Proverbs is the real wisdom, it, it, it's based on a relationship with God, one where nothing gets in the way. We're challenged in Proverbs to pursue wisdom, to seek after wisdom, and in our pursuit to let godly principles lead our lives along the journey. You see, Solomon starts off immediately in Proverbs 1. He identifies his, his purpose in writing Proverbs. He says in Proverbs 1.1, 1, 1, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, the editor that actually wrote this down, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Notice, wisdom and discipline usually go hand in hand. We like wisdom, discipline, not so much. Wisdom and discipline go hand in hand to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. It almost seems like he says if you're going to be successful, discipline has to be a part of that. I don't see many people who climb to the level of CEO who are not disciplined. I don't see a lot of people who complete their bachelor's degree, master's degree, or doctorate who are not disciplined. And so discipline is key, and he says to help them do what's right, just and fair. Verse 4, these Proverbs will get insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. But also it'll let the wise listen to the Proverbs. They'll become even wiser. Notice it's for everybody. If you're young and you're, and you're foolish, it'll give wisdom. If you're older, if you're wise, it'll give you more wisdom. It's everybody, no matter where you see yourself. By exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles, fear of the Lord is found is, or is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I don't want to despise wisdom, and I don't want to despise discipline. And then I'll share the next verse. It has absolutely nothing to do with my message, but it was just there, the next verse down. It's Father's Day, and I'd, I figured I'd help some dads out. Verse 8 says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. There you go. Parents, thank me later. You can say amen. The first chapter of Proverbs ends with a warning. This is a warning that discusses in depth what will happen if we reject wisdom. If we simply ignore the wise words of guidance in the Bible in the form of our spiritual authority in the Word of God. Verse 24 says, I call, this is wisdom speaking. Because the book's about wisdom. So wisdom, it says, I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When the cry for help, I will not answer. Through, though they uh, anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of their own way, choking on their own schemes. So I don't want any part of that. If that warning doesn't cause just a little bit of anxiety, like, oh, doesn't cause you to tense up and just go, man, 
I don't, there's nothing else in this message I'm going to say that will. I mean, that's the word of God. That's a call to, if, if so, if that didn't even touch you, happy Father's Day. Have a great day. But that there causes me to go, oh, I don't, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to live that way. I, I, I want to be a man of wisdom. I don't want to ignore correction. I don't want to ignore what God says. I don't want to ignore that. I want to be aware because the picture here he paints of someone who's not aware is one of calamity, disaster, anguish. Typically throughout Proverbs, each verse is its own thought and topic. It's just like two lines. It's like, boom, nugget of wisdom. Moving on, next nugget of wisdom. Moving on, next nugget of wisdom. Moving. But before he gets into all of that, Solomon spends a lot of time on a topic, a theme that Solomon was keenly aware of in his own personal life, and one that no doubt he had seen claim the lives of countless ministries, individuals, and marriages. Matter of fact, Solomon's mom and dad came together in a sinful way when his father David slept with his mother Bathsheba, and it launched a lineage of sin and deceit that resulted in sexual sin. I'm going to be extremely careful today, knowing full well that we are in mixed company with both men and women and children. But I feel strongly that there are times when the church must have a louder voice than the world. Addressing issues that can cause destruction. The world often celebrates the things that God warns against, and then God will call the preacher to stand up and point out things so that we can be aware and adjust accordingly. And in a way, that is what Solomon began to do as he started the book of Proverbs. He understood that in spite of all the wisdom in the world, all the power, all the money, all the influence, nothing can directly influence the life of his son as much as the choice as who he interacts with when it comes to women. And to this day, the same nugget of wisdom rings true. Outside of your own decision to love and serve, let me talk to every unmarried person here today, no matter what your age is. Outside of your own consecration, your own decision to say, God, I'm going to love you. I want to repent of my sins. I want to serve you. Outside of that decision, there is no decision that you will ever make in all of your life. Well, yeah, but what about going to school? What's my major going to be? Where am I going to live? How? Nothing, nothing will influence you as much as who you marry. There are people who I have met that have been mightily called by God. And I say, man, if they would have married someone else, they would be in a totally different spot. Because a spouse will either team up with you, male or female, that will team up with you, and you will grow and push each other to, to, to expand, to be what God is calling you to be. Or there will be one that's trying as the other's holding on, and you will never reach the heights of what God has called you to be. And that principle applies, dad to son here, but mother, daughters, sons. Solomon also addresses Though destructive decisions made after you're married. So he spends countless verses on this topic. Probably just as much, if not more, than any other topic in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 2.16, he starts and he says, Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman. And again, he's writing it to his son about an immoral woman. You can talk about immoral man. It is, it is across the board. But we're just tuning in to a, 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 a note, really a letter from father to son. From the seductive words of the promiscuous woman, she has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made. Notice God's always been a covenant God. Marriage is a covenant. And when we say, I'm not into that covenant anymore, God doesn't take that lightly. Entering her house leads to death. It's the road to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the paths of life. 
Then Solomon spends literally an entire chapter on this subject, just on this. Proverbs 5, my son, pay attention. What's he saying? Be aware. Listen up. Don't, don't tune out right now. To my wisdom, listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment. Your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. That's death to marriage, death to children, death to finances, death to ministry, death to dreams. For she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize it. So now my sons, now it's more sons. He's telling his whole, all his sons. My sons never stray from what I am about to say. Man, this is powerful stuff. I pray that all of these young men on this front row, that the young ladies, that every, especially unmarried people, but especially married people too, will tune into this. Never stray from what I am about to say. Be aware. Verse 8, stay away from her. Don't go near the door to her house. Too often we're flesh. This is why Romans chapter 13, 14, what does it say? It says, but you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Too often we say, oh, here's sin. I'm outside. I'm just hanging out and resting on the door. Are you home? I'm not coming in, but, but I just was wondering if you're home. We, we toy with sin. We play with sin too much. And so you say, well, well, well I, I wasn't intending to look at that, but I just jumped online at, at, at midnight. What? Why? Well, I didn't intend to, to really have that affair, but, you know, we just started texting back and forth. It started off just at the job. And what? Why? If we're trying to make decisions in the heat of a moment, that's too late. The sin didn't start when the action took place. The sin started when a number was given out. The sin started when an app was downloaded. And so you go back in verse 9, it says, if you do, you're going to lose your honor. You will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. You're going to lose your honor and reputation. It takes years. I tell my kids all this time. It takes years to build a reputation and just seconds to lose one. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Loss of financial stability, even career. He goes on, in the end, you're going to groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. Wow, he was ahead of his time, wasn't he? Physical distress, disease, emotional, mental turmoil. This is the picture he's painting when he's saying, sons, you better listen to me. Be aware. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored the warnings. Why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? Listen, we're reading about a life of regret. I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. I wish I could tell you that ministers never, you know how many ministers I know? That face public disgrace. Why? Because just because you stand behind a pulpit and preach this doesn't mean that sin doesn't knock on your door too. That's why we got to make no provision for the flesh. That we say, set boundaries and safeguards. Well, why are you doing that? Do you have an issue? No, I don't want to have an issue. And so we set up boundaries and safeguards. Why? Because imagine the public disgrace. It's not just, especially when ministry falls, it's not because someone else is elevated, because, but because imagine that when you sit and listen to a man or a woman preach these principles for so long, and then you watch the decisions that they make, and you say, well, who do I even trust anymore? So I understand that when I stand in this pulpit, it's not just enjoyable to preach the word. I have a massive responsibility on my shoulders. 
and I take it serious because I know I'm handling the word of God. It says, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Then verse 21, for the Lord sees clearly what a man or a woman does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins, and the ropes catch and hold him. Why? Because there's not many things that will bind you and make you feel so hopeless as when you get caught up in sexual sin. This is an interesting Father's Day message. I, I would have much rather preached about the little cute kids. But this here is one of the most destructive. Can I just tell you this? Last night, I was so uncomfortable. I'm standing at the front. I'll be very transparent. I always am. Stand at the front going, my Lord, God, are you sure? I'm walking up in five minutes to preach last night. And I'm still asking God if he's sure. God, are you sure? <laughs> we had guests in the building and stuff. I'm like, Lord, are you sure? Because we can change this right now. God spoke like he normally does, very succinctly and clearly, one sentence, that's it. He said, you're uncomfortable because you're getting ready to deal with one of the most powerful spirits in this area right now. And that's all he said. Each community, each church has different spiritual things that it deals with. In this area, man, affluent, middle, upper class, great, great group, of, great, great community. Seems like liberty is just the place to live. You know what's trying to attack this area and this church is sexual sin. The enemy wants nothing more to take your kids through a broken home, a destructive marriage, where someone said, it's better over there than it is in my home. It wants to get young men and young ladies hooked on things at a young age so that the rest of their life is forever destroyed and they feel that exact feeling, bound and hopeless. I will never be what God wants me to be because I know what I do even if no one else knows what I do. And so we feel hopeless and bound and stuck. That's not God's plan for your life. And Solomon's trying to get his kids to understand. He says he will die for lack of self-control. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. When we don't have self-control, when it comes to anything in life, that simply means you have got to have more of the Spirit of God in your life. To walk in the Spirit. Why? Because when I'm tuned into the Spirit, I have self-control. Over temper, desire, sin. Of course, you'll occasionally notice that another human, but can I just, again, transparent? Guess what? Married or unmarried, old or young, you will occasionally notice that another human being is attractive. I mean, I mean... Am I really that dumb to think that my wife has never, ever, ever gone to any store, any event, and not said, man, that's a good-looking man? I just hope she thinks it about me. I mean, that's not a sin to notice that someone else is attractive. But now what I do from that moment is either going to present victory or bondage. Is either going to be victory or destruction. After that moment. And so, moments of passion are often traded for a lifetime of hurt, anger, disease, and guilt. Solomon saw this firsthand after his daddy married his mom, after sleeping with her husband and having her husband killed. So Solomon continues, man, it's not done. 24, he says, it will keep you from the immoral woman. What will? Wisdom. He's talking about wisdom. 
from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. Don't lust for her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you. Again, we're not knocking on women here. We're, we're, this, this could be anybody. For a prostitute will bring you to poverty, but sleeping with another man's wife will cost you your life. Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Man, I love in the wintertime, I love, I love when it's, it's, it's nice out or it's freezing cold out and I can come in and I start my fire. I felt like I, felt like I had a fire. My, my, my AC went out this last week, so I felt like I had a fire in my fireplace this, this past week, but I didn't. But... But when you can come in, you throw the logs in the fire, you crank it out, crack, crack, crackle, crackle, beautiful smell and look and warmth, and that's, and that's awesome. But now if I take that exact same fire and I throw it on the living room carpet, you know, it's not as enjoyable. Something just changed there. Just, just five feet of space just changed. Sometimes five feet of space will change between you and a woman, too. My kids aren't here, so I, I was just making it five feet. But, but now it's a problem because it's on the living room floor. That's kind of like intimacy and marriage. It's a beautiful thing that God created when it's in the fireplace. Move it onto the floor, and it's out of place, and now there's problems. Now it's destructive. Now it'll burn your house, your house down. I almost said harsh. You know, Missourians sometimes say warsh. They might say harsh, too. I don't know. This is, can, a, can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with the man who sleeps with another man's wife. He embraces her, won't go unpunished. And then he says in verse 32, but the man who commits adultery is an utter fool. For he destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. For the woman's jealous husband will be furious. I'd say so. He'll show no mercy when he takes your victory. Not only do we face eternal punishment, but we face consequences right here on this earth for our choices. We cannot play with fire and not be burned. Solomon writes about how affairs happen. He just say this is bad. He says, he, he, let's watch how they begin. He starts to paint this picture in Proverbs 7. He says, let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. While I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men. You guys are brilliant, intelligent men, but I'm going to pretend you're my naive young men. He looks through the curtain. He says, I see some naive young men. You know what? All men are naive at times. <laughs> Sometimes we never grow out of it. But then he says, but then one in particular, who wants to be that one in our particular? All right, I got two fingers to Dylan. Dylan, you're the, and you're the one. One in particular, that guy lacked common sense. So I got a group of naive young men, but that one in the middle... He lacked common sense. Well, why? Let's, why is he naive? Why do these guys need Why does that one lack common sense? He tells us. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman. Guess what? In that culture, you knew where the immoral woman lived. And so Dylan, he's going to stand up. He's got the, you got the naive woman, but then you got this one that, He's foolish. He, and he comes walking. He's secure. He can handle it. He knows the, the door to the woman's house. And he, so he comes walking. He's, he's walking right by that door. He's kind of like, hmm, I'll run to the store. Google Maps says, turn left. He says, no, I'm going to turn right. I'm going to turn right. Because he likes to hang out. And he's just hanging out by the, by the door of the immoral woman. Just, I wonder if she's home. I mean, I'm not going to send her anything. I was just wondering. I'll just shoot her a text, see if she responds. I mean, that's not sinful. Is texting someone sin? No. But texting someone that I know is not the will of God for my life, is it foolish? Yeah. Thanks. And so he, he watches, and he says, man, he's strolling by the house of the immoral woman. 
It was twilight in the evening. I hate this. I can't believe I'm going to say this. The older I get, the more I use my mom and dad and grandparents' sayings. Nothing good. Happens on the streets after midnight. It's nighttime. What in the world is this guy? Solomon's like, this, this, this crazy kid is walking around the immoral woman's house, and it's nighttime. The woman approached him. Oh, shocking. Seductively dressed in sly of heart. She was brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She's often in the streets, the market, soliciting at every corner. She, I'll just stop there. If you're an unmarried person, pay attention to the description that he just gave there because you might want to stay away from people like that. Brash, rebellious type. And notice that Solomon, oh, God looks on the heart. Notice Solomon could decipher something about the woman based on the way she was dressed. The way we dress does matter. And she might be dressed a certain way that catches your attention. But that is not what you want. And so she threw her arms around him and kissed him with a brazen look. She said, I've made my peace offerings, fulfilled my vows. You are just the one I was looking for. I came to find you, and there you are. Man, we are some dumb animals, these men. We like, we love attention. Ladies love attention too. That's because we all love attention. Every single one of us love attention. You don't like attention, you a liar. Lie, 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 lie. We all like compliments. We all like to be flattered. Hey, that may be not a nice tie. Maybe that's, oh, hey, you do such a great job on, on your work. Oh, I can't. And then people start to say, anytime somebody starts to say this, oh, your wife just doesn't know what she has. You know, all the things in the Bible, it talks about stand strong, put on the armor of God, pray without ceasing. When it comes to the opposite sex, when it comes to relationships, it's the one time in the Bible, you know what, you, you know what it says? Flee. Like, like, turn and book out of there as fast as you can. Run away. Don't even give your flesh time to decipher. Because if you stick around long enough, you're going to be like, this is nice. This is enjoyable. She really thinks I'm something. And that's why in the home, you know, the Ephesians 5.22 says, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. That's not because a wife doesn't need respect and a husband doesn't need love. It's just because we understand, the Bible understands the whole crux of, of what a man and a woman really desperately, their number one need. A woman needs love. And so when she says, he didn't pick up his socks, he never takes the garbage out, that's not the issue. It's when he doesn't do that, I feel unloved because he doesn't care about me. A, a man longs for respect. So when a, if a lady's going, well, don't you ever do this? I promise you. I swear I have to. I always, there's, there's such a lack of respect there, and men long for respect. That's why I'm thankful that my wife, I, I, I hope you all respect me. I, I, I want to earn that respect. Respect means something to me. But no one respects me more than my wife. So I don't have to look for that from anyone else because she respects me. You know, she'll tell me even when I do a terrible job preaching a message. She said, that was a good message, honey. Uh, it's, now, sometimes she, she lets slide some other things in there, but she pads it. Here's some positive and positive, and then she throws the negative in there. Oh, that's a nice cushion. But so respect, we, we need that as men and, and, and women that need that love. So we have to be aware of that. And, and, and so this woman comes out, oh, oh, you're just who I was looking for in verse 19. For my husband's not home. He's away on a long trip. You know, you know what you need to say? Good for you. I'm out of here. He's taking a wallet full of money with him. He won't return till later this month. I don't care. 
So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. What a, what a, what a picture we have there. He was like a stag caught in a trap. If I was a hunter, I could explain that more. Awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. So listen to me, my sons. Pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path. She has been the ruin of many men. King James Version says many strong men. You sit here and say, why is he preaching this? That ain't going to happen to me. I'm in a marriage. I've never done that. I, just be careful because Solomon was the wisest man to ever live and he fell. David was a man after God's own heart and he fell. Samson was the strongest man. He fell. I will never say it'll happen to all of them, but it will never happen to me. There are too many great evangelists, great pastors that I have seen walk down a path where entire churches have split and been destroyed because someone made a choice and got caught up in a moment and they traded their whole future for one moment. And so for me, I'm not going to live in fear, but I'm going to say, my God, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make boundaries. I'm going to set some things in my life. I'm going to make sure that I don't go down that path. God, help me. I don't want to take heed lest I fall. Her house is the word to road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. I, how much more can he get clear here? What kind of destruction can this type of sin cause? Solomon would spend entire chapters on this topic. I'm not going to be much longer. A father loved his son so much that he did everything he could to say, you got to be attent pay attention, be aware. you got to be aware. you got to look at where this leads. This is how it starts. Dads, do you love your children enough to not only teach them like Solomon did, but unlike Solomon, live purity and faithfulness and self-control in front of them. Before and after each chapter, Solomon would implore his son, hear the words I'm saying. Don't ignore this. Pursue wisdom. Be aware. I'll tell you. This here. This here. Stay with me. This is one of the strangest Father's Day messages I have ever preached. One of the strangest messages I have ever preached. But I am so troubled in my spirit. I am so troubled in my spirit because there is an absolute battle in society for purity. The word virgins, the word virgins not even used anymore. It's not even expected. Don't let worldly expectations define your expectations. Don't let worldly expectations define your expectations, because right now, marriages are being attacked more than ever before. There's nothing more that the enemy wants was then for kids to be missing an influence of a mom or an influence of a dad in their life. And, and he, wants, he wants the kids to be raised where there are emotional issues and, and where, where parents are looking elsewhere and where married people are saying, you know what, well, she just doesn't do this and he doesn't do this. And so they start looking for it in other places. Why? Because strong churches are built on strong families. If the family's not strong, the church isn't strong. And so we look at what marriage is. It's a type and shadow of the church. At the beginning, God God says, I created Adam and Eve, a, a heterosexual relationship between a man and a woman, and that they were married, and then they bore children, and then he goes to the New Testament. His first miracle is at a wedding, that weddings and marriages are divine, divinely appointed. They are set apart by God, that God says, you are a type and shadow of the church. That's why when a bride comes up here, she takes on the name of a bridegroom at a wedding, and now she becomes not Jacqueline Schultz, Jacqueline Dornbach. When I say, God, I I repent of my sins and I go in that water I now take on a name and the name is Jesus and I enter into a covenant relationship and now I become a part of the church which is the bride of Christ and so marriage is so supernaturally spiritual and that's why since day one the devil has tried to destroy marriage he has tried to change the definition of marriage he's doing everything he can to destroy homes because if the enemy can destroy the home the church is done. If the enemy can destroy the marriages, the church is done. 
so that's why there's such an attack. There's such an attack, and that's why our kids will bear the brunt of our decisions when we lack self-control. There's an absolute war. And I'll tell you, hear me now, if you have fallen into this, if right now you are engaged in something that you should not be engaged in, either online or in person, God, look at what he did for David. David fell to his face and he said, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Take, restore the joy of my salvation. If you are here, know that you can find a place of repentance, that this is God reaching out and saying, you don't don't have to continue on this path. You don't have to keep going back to a, a den of thieves where death takes place. You can walk away. You can say enough is enough. Today is the day. I'm breaking away from it. I refuse to live that way. I'm going to, if you're single, you say, you know what? I'm going to live a life that's consecrated to God. I'm going to be pure. If you're married, you say, I'm going to find a place of repentance. If I need counseling, I'm going to get counseling. But no matter what, I refuse to go back to that. God, I need you today. God, I need you to wash away my sin. God, I need you to help me end it right now. Oh, I know. It's strange. Father's Day. My goodness. No, 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 no. There is a war. There is a battle. And there's a reason why God said you are uncomfortable because you are getting ready to address one of the major strongholds and demonic presences in this area. That is, and, and I know that as I look around, we might look like, oh, we got it together. We have a happy marriage, a happy life. I'm, a, I'm just a pure person. But we know that there are people right now watching online. There are people in this place right now that the devil has been tempting you that you, your flesh has been tempting you and you've been saying is it worth it will it be a big deal if I go this route society says it's not really a huge thing it is a huge thing break free from it God wants you to be pure holy consecrated set apart so today, you can respond the way Solomon's daddy did. David, he found a place of repentance. Or you can respond by ignoring wisdom and continuing to walk out of your way to go to his or her house or exchange text messages with him or her. Enjoy the flattery and the attention and make decisions that reject wisdom. But please be aware because Solomon said, this is what it looks like when you reject wisdom. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you're in trouble. I will mock when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster engulfs you like a cyclone. And anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must, be, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way. Choking on their own schemes. My God, help us all. We don't want to be a part of that. But the good news is it's not too late that right now you can find the place of repentance. You can find a place where you get rid of the digital device. You get rid of the relationship in the texting, in the conversation, or the in-person meetings. Whatever it is, God wants his church to be pure, holy, consecrated, committed, set apart. He wants to have revival. He wants, a, he wants to do something mighty and miraculous in this place. And if you say, you know what, if you're willing to repent and you're willing to say, I, I, I got to safeguard myself, maybe say, man, I haven't even done anything. Let this be a warning to set up the strong, to set up the safeguards, to, to fortify the fort, to say, it's not going to come in my home. It's not going to touch my life. I'm asking right now. I know sometimes in a message like this, if you come to an altar, bow a knee or raise a hand, oh man, I wonder if they have a problem. Is their marriage okay? No, forget that. Every single human being, man, woman, child, single, unmarried, we've got to find a place right now where we begin to raise our hands, bow our knees, bury our faces, say, God, there's an attack. There's, a, there's something in the spiritual realm that's trying to attach itself to my home, to my marriage, to my, to my church. God, I pray against it right now. I want to be aware right now. Jesus, help me. I, I just wonder if somebody right now would begin to pray over your kids. Someone right now would begin to pray over your marriage. Someone right now would begin to pray over your integrity and your purity. Let's respond right now to this message of warning from God.